Welcome to Inspiring Philosophy, the audio format of the powerful apologetic videos from Inspiring Philosophy Ministries. Please consider supporting Inspiring Philosophy on Patreon to get early access to videos, live Q&As, and to help build the largest apologetic library on the internet. Now, let's get started with the show. You know the four Gospels are attributed to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but many argue the Gospels were originally anonymous and the names were only added later to give them more authority. But is this accurate? In the first century, were the Gospels entirely anonymous, and only when they were criticized did second-century Christians add names to give them more authority? Or are there good reasons to think the Gospels really did come from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Christian tradition teaches that two of the Gospels were written by disciples of Jesus, Matthew and John. The other two were written by followers of the disciples. Mark was a follower and the interpreter of Peter, and Luke was a traveling companion of Paul. But according to the consensus of New Testament historians today, there is no reason to think the Gospels were written by the men they were attributed to. Bart Ehrman says, There were some books, such as the Gospels, that had been written anonymously, only later to be ascribed to certain authors, who probably did not write them, apostles and friends of the apostles. David Carr and Colleen Conway say, All four of the canonical Gospels were originally anonymous. It was only in the 2nd century CE, when the four Gospels were published as a collection, that the superscriptions were added to the Gospels, attributing authorship to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, respectively. Dale Martin says, We believe that all four Gospels were originally published anonymously and the names they now bear were given to the four books later in order to link the books to disciples of Jesus or close disciples of disciples of Jesus. However, within the past few decades, many scholars have been pushing back against this consensus and arguing the titles of the Gospels were most likely included when the Gospels were originally written, and they were always understood as having come from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One of the reasons the traditional authorship of the Gospels is denied is because none of them internally mention an author, either in the preface or main body. Thus, the Gospels are, by definition, internally anonymous. But that doesn't mean they ever circulated without names attached to them. In 2019, Simon Gathercole wrote an important paper where he points out a lack of claim of authorship internally is entirely irrelevant to the question of the Gospels' anonymity. The reason being is many ancient works were also internally anonymous. Xenophon didn't include his name or pseudonym within the text of the Anabasis. Josephus left his name out of Antiquity of the Jews. We don't see any prefatory self-references in the works of Polybius, Diodorus, or Arian. Latin authors like Sallust, Livy, and Tacitus did not mention themselves internally in their works. Mike Lacona adds that Julius Caesar did not identify himself as the author of his commentaries on the Civil War, and he writes entirely in third person, as the author of John's Gospel may have done. In fact, Elmer Herkomer noted that this practice of an author leaving their name out of the body of their work was the standard norm. If we look specifically at the genre of ancient Greco-Roman biographies, of which the Gospels fit nicely with, we can see it was common to write biographies internally anonymous. Gather Cole notes Philo admitted his name from his biographical works on Abraham, Joseph and Moses. Plutarch makes no mention of his name in Parallel Lives. 
Porphyry does not state he is the author of any of his surviving works. Neither does Philostratus, Nepus, or Tacitus when he wrote a biography of his father-in-law. Lucian does not mention he is the author of his works Alexander the False Prophet, the Toxaris, and the biography of Demonax. He only mentions his name at the end of one of his works, The Passing of Peregrinus, where it reads, Lucian de Cronos, with best wishes. Gathercole notes the only other example he can find, where an author's name is mentioned, is the fictional one of Alias, which is in a late work called the Historia Augusta. And because it is fictional, it likely wasn't written by the author it is attributed to. Additionally, Loveday Alexander notes the prologues of ancient technical handbooks often lack the author's name. She argues Luke's prologue matches a standard medical or technical prologue from that time, and so it's not strange that Luke doesn't mention himself either. Thus, given this survey, Gathercole says, the absence of the evangelist names should excite no comment at all. Such an absence is not remotely a curious feature. In other words, given the cultural context, we should expect the Gospels to be internally anonymous. And so the argument the Gospels do not eternally identify the authors is not actually evidence they were known as anonymous works. Gather Cole goes on to say, The absence of a name within the body of an ancient work is entirely understandable because of all the other ways in which the author might be identified. There were, of course, numerous ways of indicating an author's name in or on a roll or codex outside of the work itself. Ancient works would often identify the author in an external fashion, like in a title or subscription above the main body, or in a table of contents, a running header, an end title, on a title page, signed by the author on the back of the scroll, or with a name tag attached to the scroll. Some of these methods are unlikely candidates for how the authors of the Gospels were identified, but the point is the standard practice appears to have been to introduce the author apart from the main body. It's plausible the Gospels always came with titles attributing them to their respective authors. As Simon Swain said, It is perfectly normal for literary works to begin without a reference to their author. The author's name should already be known to the reader or hearer from the usual devices. But what are the claim that the four Gospels were not attributed to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John until the 2nd century? Well, there are many reasons to think their titles were actually original. First, the Gospels would have needed to be identified when copies were added to private library collections of the various churches. So it is likely they came with some form of external title to identify them, just as it was the case with other ancient works. Second, it is unlikely the Gospels would have circulated without names attached to them. For example, the prologue of Luke's Gospel indicates it was sent to someone named Theophilus. It is inconceivable the Gospel would have been sent to him without Theophilus knowing who wrote and sent him a copy of a Gospel. It is unlikely he would have just received some anonymous text and considered it authoritative without knowing it came from someone like Luke. As Richard Bauckham said, the author's name would have featured in an original title, but in any case, would have been known to the dedicatee and other first readers because the author would have presented the book to the dedicatee. We know in the first century, Paul's letters were circulating between different churches, and whoever was delivering the letters would have been able to verify the letter came from Paul. Likewise, as Gospels were being copied and circulated, the various churches would have requested information on where the Gospel came from. It is unlikely they just would have accepted any old writing without believing it came from a reliable source. The early church father, Papias, said he didn't give stock to any tradition that could not be traced back to a reliable source, 
like a disciple of Jesus or a known elder. So it is unlikely the early church would have accepted anonymous biographies about Christ without knowing they came from reliable sources. Third, when we study the early church writings, we can see there is unanimous agreement among a multitude of witnesses. All agree the Gospels came from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are none that dissent and attribute them to other authors. Even early copies of the Gospels that have survived, that still have a title, attribute them to their respected authors. No Gospel manuscript has ever been found that bears a different name. P66 from the 2nd century notes John as the author of the Gospel attributed to him. P4, which dates to the 2nd or 3rd century, notes Matthew as the author of the Gospel attributed to him. In the 2nd century, Clement of Alexandria lists four Gospel authors throughout his works, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the letter of Polycrates of Ephesus to Victor of Rome, we see him identify who the beloved disciple is. The Gospel of John states its testimony came from the beloved disciple of Jesus, and Polycrates identifies this disciple as John. The Meritorian fragment is missing its opening, but identifies Luke and John as Gospel authors. Irenaeus tells us the four Gospel authors are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. An indisputable testimony to John's authorship of the fourth Gospel comes from Theophilus of Antioch. Hagasippus seems to also suggest that John was a Gospel author. Apollinaris refers to Matthew 26.17-19 and suggests the author of it was the disciple Matthew. The Acts of John seems to identify the beloved disciple as John. Heraclean says John 1.18 was spoken by the disciple John. In a fragment we have from the early church father Papias, we see he says that Matthew and Mark were gospel authors. And Gathercole notes his information likely came from John the Elder, who was another disciple of Jesus. Additionally, we have other texts that point to the four traditional gospel authors. In the Acts of Peter and the Twelve from the Nag Hammadi Collection, we see a scene played out that is strikingly similar to what we read in John 13. But instead of the conversation being between Peter and the beloved disciple, it is between Peter and John. This implies the beloved disciple, the authority behind the Gospel of John, was in fact a disciple named John. As Gathercole says, Seeing John as the one beside Jesus, the Acts of Peter and the Twelve Apostles thereby sees John as the beloved disciple, and therefore the author of the Gospel. In the Gospel of Thomas, we get a hint that Matthew may have been understood to be a Gospel author, as he singled out among the Twelve to be an authority figure on who Jesus was alongside Peter. When we survey the early data, we see unanimous consent that the four Gospel authors are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. No one ever claims another author for the four canonical Gospels, and no one ever suggests the Gospels were understood as anonymous. Even Justin Martyr suggests the Gospels were known to be attributed to evangelists, not that they were anonymous works. Moreover, it is important to note that this unanimous attestation comes from across the whole Roman world, and not simply one region. Multiple authors from different regions all agree the four Gospel authors are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But perhaps a skeptic could argue they all got their information from the same source before it spread out. Even if this was true, given that we have cited many 2nd century sources, the original point of the tradition must have been early for it to have become such a widespread tradition by the 2nd century, meaning it likely originated in the 1st century when the Gospels were being composed. But also, when we study the traditions, we see variation. Irenaeus and later church fathers suggest the order the Gospels were written in was Matthew first, 
followed by Mark, then Luke, and then John. But Clement of Alexandria believed Matthew and Luke were written first, then Mark, and then John. So it appears they had different traditions regarding the order the Gospels were written in, which shows us their information was not all coming from the same source. And despite this, we still have unanimous agreement on who the Gospel authors were. James D.G. Dunn also notes the titles of the Gospels have remarkable similarity across manuscripts, which suggests the titles were added early, before they spread around and other churches could add their own differing labels. The Gospels were not known by a variety of titles. Such an outcome was likely if the titles depended on recipients rather than the author. Each recipient of an anonymous writing was likely to choose an identifying label most convenient to him. The fact, then, that the Gospels are almost universally known by the fuller title, the Gospel according to, or simply according to, strongly suggests that the title was given to each Gospel as soon as they began to be circulated, to be more widely known and used beyond their places of origin. As noted, the Gospels would need to be identified when copies were added to private library collections of various churches. If they were entirely anonymous, various churches would have found different ways to label them, which would have inadvertently created different traditions on who wrote them. But as Dunn notes, this is not what we see. We see the basic title, or the later abbreviated title. So it appears the titles of the Gospels that attributed them to their respective authors were most likely original, not added at later points. This makes sense with the external data that we discussed. But also we should note, it seems that the names attached to the Gospels would be unlikely picks of later forgers. Matthew is a Gospel that is for evangelizing the Jewish people, but it was attributed to a tax collector, which was a despised profession among the Jews. It is also unlikely that the Gospel was attributed to him on the basis of the references to him in verse 9, 9, and 10, 3, given how much of a minor role he plays throughout his gospel. Mark and Luke were only followers of the disciples, not direct disciples of Jesus. It would make no sense to attribute gospels to men who were never close with Jesus. Why not attribute the gospel of Mark to Peter, which tradition says was Mark's main source? Why would you pick two people as gospel authors who were not direct disciples of Jesus? Only the last gospel is attributed to a close disciple of Jesus. Given this, there is no reason to think forgers from the 2nd century would pick Mark or Luke as gospel authors, or a tax collector as the author of the gospel for the Jewish people. Finally, it has been noted by scholars like Richard Bauckham, if the gospels were truly anonymous early on, we should expect church father commentary on their authorship to resemble the talk on the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is truly an anonymous work and instead of the church picking an author to attribute it to, they debated on who wrote it, and suggested different authors. P46 implies Paul was the author, Tertullian attributed it to Barnabas. Eusebius wrote that Origen said Paul was the author. Others attributed it to Clement of Rome or Luke. As Gathercole says, this sort of diversity is exactly what we do not find in references to the authorship of the Gospels. Instead, we have unanimous agreement not church fathers trying to figure out who wrote anonymous biographies. So when we survey the data, there is no reason to deny the traditional authorship of the Gospels. It was a common practice in biographical works to be internally anonymous. Most works identified authors externally, like with a tag or in the title. There was a practical need to identify the Gospels as they spread out and were added to Christian libraries. We have no indication the Gospels were ever thought of as anonymous and we have unanimous attestation from multiple witnesses. The authors were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
No other authors were ever suggested for the four Gospels, and the traditions about them differ on minor details, indicating this did not all stem from one source that fooled them all. Additionally, the names Matthew, Mark, and Luke are unlikely titles forgers would have selected, and if the Gospels were actually anonymous, the conversation about their authorship should have resembled the talk about who authored Hebrews. At the end of the day, what reason do we have to deny the traditional authorship of the Gospels? Additionally, we have far more attestation for their authorship than other ancient works, as Michael Conus says. The best source attesting Plutarch's authorship is the Lampreas Catalog, written more than a century and perhaps more than two centuries after Plutarch's death. Additionally, it is falsely attributed to Plutarch's son. Still, no one questions Plutarchan authorship. The first person to tell us the annals were written by Tacitus is St. Jerome, who was writing over 300 years after Tacitus. In comparison, it is clear we have far better attestation for the Gospels than many other ancient works that no one questions the authorship of. Why are the Gospels assumed to be anonymous when the evidence strongly favors they never were? To be honest, I have yet to see a sufficient argument to address this from those who wish to maintain the Gospels were originally anonymous. As Martin Hangel said, Let those who deny the Great Age and therefore the basic originality of the Gospel superscriptions in order to preserve their good critical conscience give a better explanation of the completely unanimous and relatively early attestation of these titles, their origin and the names of the authors associated with them. Such an explanation has yet to be given, and it never will be. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inspiring Philosophy. And a special thanks to the Inspiring Philosophy supporters who made this episode possible. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help the ministry of Inspiring Philosophy continue, prayerfully consider becoming a supporter of this show by visiting patreon.com forward slash inspiring philosophy. That's patreon.com forward slash inspiring philosophy. And if you want to watch Inspiring Philosophy videos, make sure to follow Inspiring Philosophy on YouTube.